always remember, even in the most challenging of situations, and even if you don't like the options that are available to you, you are always in a moment of choice. And money needs you to give it direction and it needs you to choose what is it that you want to do? What is its role in your life? How do you want it to fulfill that in your life? Hi, I'm Lara Dolch, and you're listening to She Knows the Way, a show about deciding what's next when doing what's expected no longer feels right. Personal finance can be a tricky topic, especially if your finances were thrown into chaos by the pandemic. The choices we make around money seem especially relevant right now as we find our way forward in 2022, which is why I wanted to talk to Jaquette Timmons. Jaquette is a financial behaviorist, She believes that you don't manage your money. You manage your choices around money. I wanted to know what choices Jaquette has seen in the wake of the pandemic and what those choices show her about our relationship with money and, by extension, our relationship with our future. I also wanted to know how we should be thinking about those choices based on the whirlwind of a world we now live in. Jaquette has been in financial services for most of her career, but her experiences in the traditional side of the business convinced her that we were thinking about money all wrong. I think the unfortunate thing about my industry is that we have people so focused on the numbers and getting the numbers right and having people think that success, financial success, A, is just about the numbers and that you can do everything right and and you will still, like if you do everything right, you will be shielded. And I think the pandemic kind of lifted the veil from that because there were a lot of people who did everything right. They, had, they went into the pandemic with no debt. They went into the pandemic with a lovely you know, savings cushion. But for a variety of reasons, maybe their industry got hit really, really hard. They needed to then deplete that savings or they needed to, you know, build up that debt that was at zero. And so you can do all of the right things and then still not have a positive experience in that regard if that's how you are measuring it. I know Jackette is talking about money here, but this point really hit me. She could be talking about anything. How many times have I tried to do everything right, to play by the rules of the game, to find out the entire game board has shifted under my feet? Jaquette explained how she helps people stay nimble. It's making me think about how we define financial security and and has it changed at all or should it change after going through something like that? To me, there are layers to that inquiry (laughs) that you have. What makes you feel financially secure may change in terms of how it looks, but your definition of financial security, I don't think that changes. And I think that's why there's a little bit of, of a divergence, if you will, between how you define it and what it looks like in terms of the manifestation of that definition. So that can be really abstract. So like, what the heck does that mean? So let's just say that financial security looks like having a certain amount of money in your savings account that you can tap into. And maybe pre-pandemic, that number 
was a high number. And then when you think about what you went through in the pandemic, the reality is that number needed to be adjusted. And now it was a lower number. So you still need a number and that's how you're defining financial security, but the details of what it looks like adapts and changes to the circumstances and the context of those circumstances, I think. There needs to be some sort of fluidity to how you are defining things to make sure that you have taken into account what's evolved, whether it was by your choice or circumstances, what's evolved and is what you have or don't have or want to have viable given what is currently unfolding, whether it's on a macro level or a micro level. Jaquette's flexible approach to money came in handy for her personally when COVID hit. She was out to dinner with friends in Brooklyn, having her favorite dark turkey meat sandwich, when she got an email that stopped her in her tracks. My business is made up of two main verticals, if you will. There's one-on-one coaching that I do mostly with entrepreneurs and small business owners. And then I'm a for-hire speaker. So I live in New York City, and uh, that Thursday is when, March 12th, I'll never forget it, is when things started, you know, shutting down on a rolling basis. And I was supposed to be leaving that Sunday for a speaking engagement. And that Thursday, by the time I got home, there was a note from the uh, conference that I was going to speak at that said, our governor has shut everything down. So... No need to travel here. (laughs) Your services are no longer needed. Yeah. So for me, that was my O-S-H-I-T moment because speaking is my thing and traveling for speaking engagements. You know, to put it in perspective, in 2018, I was on the road every single week except for 10 days from September through December. So that can give folks an idea of just how much (laughs) I traveled for speaking. So for me, it was just like, holy crap, what is going to happen? Jaquette says that tapping into her savings was not an option for her because who knew how long this thing would last? So instead, Jaquette rethought how she makes money. The first thing that I did was I made a list of all of my coaching clients And I went through and I contacted every single one of them to see how they were doing. The second thing that I did was realized that this was completely new territory. And it was probably bringing to the surface a whole host of things that people probably needed to talk through. And so I decided that, well, we should do that. (laughs) We should talk through these things, right? What is this bringing up in terms of, um, you know, legal things for you? What is this bringing up in terms of the work that you do? What is this bringing up in terms of your leadership? What is this bringing up just in terms of, having to shift on a dime and how do you organize and respond to that? And so I decided, you know what, I'm going to host a series of conversations around all of the different big picture things that I think people will be challenged by. But I also made the decision that those conversations would not be free. They wouldn't be extravagant, but they also wouldn't be free. So I structured it so that it was, you know, you can do 
a single call for $50 or you can do all four calls for 200 or I think I said it for like $150. And I think that that was my way of being of service to help people navigate certain things and at the same time, make sure that I had some cash coming in. Were the questions that you were focusing on in those conversations different because of the pandemic or were they really evergreen financial questions that were just more amplified as concerns? So I would say that they weren't financial conversations in part because I think nothing is ever just a financial conversation, right? I think money tends to amplify things more so than is the thing, if you will. And so we had four key themes or key topics. One was chaos, <laughs> right? Because everybody was thrown into, you know, chaos. So how do you manage that? Another was leadership. A third was the legal dynamics and the legal ramifications. So I'm thinking of perhaps people that were hosting conferences, like what's your obligation to return registration fees? If you are a coach or a consultant and now the business that your client operates has completely evaporated and maybe they were on a payment plan, what's your obligation to return that? And then the fourth topic was trauma. We were all traumatized by it. And so how do you navigate well, first, you know, identify what your own trauma is and navigate that for yourself. But then how perhaps do you help your clients navigate that as well? And I think if we think about those, those four overarching themes, chaos, leadership, legal, trauma, they are always present in our lives and our businesses and money can either amplify the need to address them or it can highlight for you that you've got a little bit of a cushion to weather a chaotic situation or an interruption in leadership or um, a legal challenge or a legal issue or you know a traumatic a a event. I love how Jaquette distilled down the complicated emotions her clients were feeling into four simple ideas. And I wondered if using those four ideas to reflect on how we managed our finances during COVID might help us see our path forward. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll hear from Jaquette about how to do just that. Hey, it's Lara. I wanted to quickly pop in to tell you that I'm keeping my ears open for individuals and organizations who want help launching their podcast. As you may have guessed, my team and I specialize in developing and producing podcasts that amplify the stories of women and their allies. Shows like this one, She Knows the Way, and like Black Her Stories, the first episode of which I shared a few weeks ago. But we're also open to working with any mission-driven individual or organization that wants to use audio storytelling to captivate, educate, and inspire their audience. If that sounds like you or someone you know, visit laradolch.com for more information on our podcast strategy and production services. Welcome back. Before the break, we heard from Jackette about the four themes she used to frame conversations with clients at the height of the pandemic chaos, leadership, legal concerns, and trauma. You know, what I'm wondering now is as people are thinking about rebuilding their financial cushion or just rebuilding their financial lives, how can those 
for concepts help them do that? So we're having this conversation in 2022, right? So reverse engineer, where are you now versus where you were at the beginning of this experience? How did you navigate that chaos? Because embedded in that reverse engineering are some seedlings for how do you navigate that moving forward? Because one of the things that I shared, you know, and maybe this has to do with age and number of years is while the pandemic, the health pandemic, the racial pandemic of 2020 was unusual in terms of the convergence of all of those things at once, it's not the first time that we've had to deal with something that completely interrupted our sense of comfort and security. And so I hate to be the bearer of reality, but there will be something else in the future that will do the same, that will disrupt the comfort and the normality, if that's even such a word, of how we live and work. And so the, the reason for suggesting the reverse engineering is look for the clues when it comes to how did you manage the chaos? Look for the clues of how did you show up in your leadership and how did you respond to other people's leadership? If you had any legal concerns, and let me put a pin there for a moment and say, one of the things that I realized that while I, I have a, I think and thought then a pretty good contract, I didn't have a clause in there that had anything to do with health and what should happen if I were to get sick at the location where a speaking engagement is occurring. Well, <laughs> you know, that was a reminder of, oh, that might be something you want to do. <laughs> Um, but yeah, reverse engineer, the chaos piece, the leadership piece. Again, how did you show up? What did you find appealing about what you observed in other people's leadership? Or what did you not like? Because those are clues too. Again, the legal things that you might want to think about, how to tighten up your contracts. And then finally, how did you make some peace with some of the trauma that you probably experienced? Look for the seedlings and all of those things because that can serve as your blueprint for the next time when something happens. That's what you lean into to help you navigate through it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm curious what your sort of reverse engineering of that has been. Looking back on that, are you doing things differently about how you approach your own financial life? You know, oftentimes you will get requests to speak and you'll get requests to speak for free or, you know, for a really nominal rate. And I decided that free was completely off the table. No. And I also decided that if someone couldn't uh, do my normal rate, and they weren't a nonprofit, that I could, it couldn't be a presentation. We could have a conversation. You can interview me. But I'm not doing a full-on presentation that you can record and you can rebroadcast to your people for um, other than what my speaking fee was. I'm happy to work with folks, but that was not happening. So it, it forced me to strengthen my no muscle and to not be afraid of saying no because like, oh my God, I could really use that money. Not all money is good money, especially if it energetically drains you and especially if it energetically makes someone feel like, oh man, I worked with her and I had to pay X. And the other person was like, well, I worked with her and I didn't have to pay that. Like, it's just not a good thing. 
I don't think. Yeah, I would love to see, for you to say more about like when you say yeah, no money or not. What did you say? Not all money is good money. Totally hear that and agree with what you were just saying about the energetics piece of it. What would you say to someone who is really struggling? How do you think about that when you really do like desperately need money? So I think one of the first thing I, I think on paper. <laughs> so my first suggestion would be to mind map, right, and really to mind map. What are all of the options that are out there? And do also a T account of the pros and cons. And if you can feel comfortable saying yes to something, A, because you need the cash flow, but also because it could perhaps lead to something else, then by all means say yes. But if you're like, this is going to bring in whatever it brings in and I need this, but it's not really what I would charge under normal circumstances or they've negotiated you down completely. And there's no benefit beyond just that moment, then I would say still say no. Because what ends up happening is if you are only thinking about um, the short-term relief of the pain, if you will, you often lose out then on the opportunity to relieve both the short-term pain and then put you in a position to be prepared for the long-term. So one keeps you focused just on the short-term and it keeps you in survival mode and you can't lift your head up and think about and be creative around how to get out of the situation. And then the other one it puts you in a position where you can say, okay, not only is this going to help me with what I am tasked with addressing in the short term, but it will position me to be even healthier financially from a business, you know, foundational standpoint in the future. Earlier in the episode, you heard Jackette say, nothing is ever just a financial conversation. I've known Jackette for a few years now, and she says stuff like this a lot. This idea of saying no to opportunities when you really need money seems like a perfect illustration of that idea, that money is never just about money. I wanted to know more. We typically deduce money to the exercise of crunching the numbers. And the reality is two plus two is going to always equal four. <laughs> like, you know, it's going to always be that. And if whatever calculation you are doing is so complicated that you can't do it in your head, then there is a calculator to help you do that. And so if that's the case and things are not shaping up the way you want them to be, then that means you have to take a look at what are the choices that you're making. And I find that when you lean just into the math of it, it kind of absolves you from doing that extra work of that extra work of getting curious, that extra work of interrogating, that extra work of doing and making sometimes the hard choices that you would prefer not to have to make. This comment sent me and Jackette down a rabbit hole of financial failures we've experienced in our businesses. Times when we invested a bunch of money and ideas that we truly believed in. But just like leaning too hard on math, sometimes believing in something can keep you from seeing the whole picture. Jaquette shared a story about a national event series she organized years ago. She had dreams of making it the TED of love and money. And while it started strong, it became clear that Jaquette's talks would not be the cultural phenomenon that TED Talks have become. I was investing money. I was losing money on this proposition, and I needed to 
close off the faucet to stop the leak, take a moment and regroup and figure out what comes next. And I shared with Jackette about a big financial investment I made in this podcast, an investment that didn't pay off in quite the way I'd expected. It's it's difficult to force yourself to to look at what you're doing, I think, sometimes. Yes, because it requires a bit of, it requires a combination of some truth telling to yourself, but it also requires a degree of grace because mm. I think at all times we're making the best possible decisions that we can in any given moment. And sometimes, you know, we're entrepreneurs. We are inherently optimistic, right? But sometimes <laughs> yes. that optimism needs to be <laughs> tempered. And it's, it's hard sometimes to give, us, give ourselves that grace to say, okay, maybe you were being a little bit too optimistic there. <laughs> yeah. Reel yourself in, girl. <laughs> Actually, can you talk about that? Like what happens with us when we think, when we make those kinds of investments and see the writing on the wall and still keep going like that. I feel like that's a common thing with money. Yeah. And I think it's because we don't want to be wrong. Mm. We don't want to feel like we made the wrong choice or we don't want to feel like a failure because we have a culture that really doesn't allow for failure. It embraces all of the successes in the world, but it doesn't really create the space for you to fail. Yeah, I feel that for sure. And I I think it's, yeah, it's cultural and it's also, there are also some of us who are at a layer of being even harder on ourselves about it on top of that cultural Oh thing. my God, totally. <laughs> if you, I'm, raise my hand, type A. I totally. <laughs> I knew you would. Enneagram three, that would be me. Nice. I don't even know uh, my Enneagram. Yeah. I've forgotten what that is. I'll have to look that up. Uh, so yeah, you add all of that on and you know anything less than what you aimed for is quote unquote not cool. After comparing our failure scars, Jackette and I moved into more, well, optimistic waters. Because at some point, you gotta revel in your hard-won wisdom. Jackette says her ability to make sound financial moves comes from experience with finances, sure. But it also comes from experience with life and an increasing sense of being comfortable with who she is. So, you know, it's really interesting. There is a news publication that will be out at some point, and I don't know when precisely, but one of the questions they asked was something along the lines of, if you could be any age, what age would you be? And my answer is my age right now. And I wasn't saying that in any sort of facetious way. I was saying that because I feel like at this point in my life, I am the most comfortable in my skin that I've ever been. It's just a beautiful thing to feel like I'm good. Yeah, that is really beautiful. (laughs) It feels good. (laughs) When did you start noticing that? How did that show up for you? Like, oh, I'm good. 
I would definitely say that it was more of a blossoming or an awakening. So it wasn't like a, an, an overnight sort of thing. For people who don't know me and don't know, I'm 56. I, I don't look 56, as most people will tell me. No, she does not. I'm here to tell you. <laughs> Although, I'm, whenever, whenever, I mean, I do think I look youthful, but I'm always wondering, well, what do I look like to folks? Anyway, I just leaned more into who I am and what's important to me and why it's important to me and being clearer about my boundaries. And I think that's an evolution, but still clearer than before. And as a result, just being more comfortable, like, this is who I am. Hopefully you like it. But if you don't, I'm good with that too. As we're coming to a close here, is there anything else you want to add for listeners who are maybe still feeling really uncertain about their financial future? I think embracing the fact that your financial future is always uncertain. At any given moment, you're making the best choice that you possibly can to help you be in a stronger financial position to respond to that uncertainty. I think having the expectation that you're never going to have it 100% right, and so let the goal be to get it more right than wrong. That's one thing I would say. The other is to... Always remember, even in the most challenging of situations, and even if you don't like the options that are available to you, you are always in a moment of choice. And money needs you to give it direction, and it needs you to choose what is it that you want to do? What is its role in your life? How do you want it to fulfill that in your life and in your business? And if you're listening as an entrepreneur or small business owner, also think about it through the lens of what does my business need to do? What does this business mo model need to look like? Its sales process, its pricing structure, so that it is sustainable and profitable, but that automatically supports the health of my personal finances too. And so just be in constant query around how can I just be as best situated for what I don't know is going to happen in the future? How can I make sure that my business is, is set up to, yes, on its own be successful, but so that that transfers to my personal health. And I think also double check and make sure that you are not conflating preparation with expectations. And what I mean by that is sometimes your expectations are not the best expectations. <laughs> and so, you know, be curious around what's next but make sure that your expectations are in alignment with the reality of your current set of circumstances and the context of them. Because if, there are, if they are too much out of alignment, you could potentially set yourself up for uh, failure and disappointment to a degree that it doesn't have to be. Looking at my finances through Jack Hat's lens feels a lot less stressful. So much financial advice feels transactional separate from real life. It might be framed as a way to enable living your best life, but that best life is often in the distant future. Jacquette's approach feels more organic, like our money can be used to support our values now and in the future, 
even as those values and our circumstances change. If you want to honor your health, add an illness contingency to your business contracts. If you're worried about future catastrophe driven by climate change or global conflict, brainstorm all the ways you can make money when faced with challenges. If you're feeling optimistic about your newest business idea, stay optimistic and add some guardrails to tell you when it's time to shift your approach. And always remember that you have choices. Special thanks to Jackette Timmons for speaking with us for this episode. If you'd like to connect with Jackette, you can find her on LinkedIn or on her website at jackettetimmons.com. She Knows the Way will be back in three weeks. We'll hear from therapist and mental health expert Kimberly Diggles about making decisions and taking up space even when the world feels like it's on fire. Do I get to do something? Do I get to make a decision in the middle of all this? That's what I kind of hear when I say, well, does it even matter? If I were her therapist, I might say, look, look, I don't know, do you you matter? Do you think that you get to matter in the middle of all of this? Because you do. And maybe sometimes that gets lost when the whole world is experiencing a collective trauma. You start to then compare your stuff with everybody else's. And and, and I think women do a really good job of this, of like saying, well, mine isn't as important when it is. This episode of She Knows the Way was produced and edited by me, Lara Dolch, with help from Jennifer McCord. For more episodes, hit subscribe or follow wherever you're listening right now. And if you'd like to stay in touch, email us at hello at laradolch.com to tell us about a new choice you're making with your money right now. Finally, if you know someone who could use a reminder that success with money is more than just the number in their bank account, please send this episode their way. Until next time, trust that you know the way. Hey there, it's Laura. Wanted to quickly pop in to let you know how much I appreciate your being here. I know there are a million podcasts you could be listening to, and I'm so glad you're spending time with us. If you're finding value in the show, we'd be grateful if you supported it by buying us a coffee. That's right. It couldn't be simpler. Visit buymeacoffee.com slash she knows the way to support our work for the price of a cup of coffee. That's buymeacoffee.com slash she knows the way. And thanks.